this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. What's up, peeps? It is the penultimate interview of our Safety 1, Safety 2 mini-series. Let's jump into the intro and I'll tell you more about today's guest. The problem in safety isn't deviation, it's complexity. Health and safety has gone mad. Health and safety is trying to unpick having gone mad in the past. There's no one solution and one problem. The problem is that we are looking for one solution. Does the structure of the team allow them to flourish? Feel safe enough to be uncomfortable. The environment defines our behaviours. People aren't the problem, they're the solution. Rebranding safety, crushing the stereotype. Brought to you by Risk What's up people, welcome back to Rebranding Safety, Rebranding Safety is a YouTube channel and podcast doing exactly what it says on the tin. We're here to change the perception of health and safety. So if you're new here, hit those subscribe, follow, whatever buttons that look like they do something good to the algorithm and the, the social media magic that is the, today's world. I always tweak that little intro bit and it never just sits right. I need to really nail that down. That needs some work, doesn't it? Anyway, moving on, today's guest I would frankly put this lady up there as a legend, a very humble legend, a very modest legend, which makes her more of a legend because she is those two things. She's done some amazing work through the coronavirus kind of lockdown in England and, and obviously her audience is way beyond England. She operates internationally. She does some amazing work with her company internationally. But throughout the lockdown period, um, in the first lockdown and then and then continued throughout the, the second lockdown, the third lockdown or the tiered systems, etc., she'd done these webinars focusing on human factors, uh, human and organizational performance, the future of the profession, and, and just loads and loads of stuff that, that frankly we need to hear more of in the profession. They, they were broken into two mini-series, well, two mammoth series, they should be called really. Uh, the first one was kind of like the founding fathers of human and organizational performance. And the second was Bright Sparks and Disruptors, um, which yours truly, me, James at Rebrand and Safety, was kindly and humbly invited to join that list of absolute legends. Um, so thank you very much to today's guest <laughs> for that invite. I was very humbled to receive it and I enjoyed every minute of it. And we will put a link down in the description that you can register for these webinars because they are still ongoing now. And as far as I'm aware, she's continuing to do them. Um, she kind of built a rod for her own back. In her normal day job, she runs a company called Paradigm Human Performance. And if you know, you know who I'm talking about. It is Teresa Swinton. As far as I'm concerned, she is up there in those hop legends. Um, and it's really awesome to see one, a woman, and two, an English woman kind of in that space. It's very dominated by uh, America and Australia and dominated by males. So it's really awesome to see Teresa there. And obviously there are other women operating in the space doing some amazing work as well. But I just love what Teresa does with her company. 
with her webinars, with absolutely everything she's involved in. She's got a real clear kind of sense of why she does things, um, which we talk about in today's interview as well. So today's interview kind of came randomly with no planning whatsoever. We just had a, a like a LinkedIn messaging and um, and we were like, well, when are we going to do this, this uh, Zoom call then? We put a Zoom call in a diary and then that was it. We just started waffling. Um, and even to a point where she was like, right, well, what are we going to talk about? And I was like, well, we're, we're already like 50% through the podcast. Um, so it was really emergent. Uh, it was one of, that's my favorite way to do these interviews. But sometimes that doesn't work. But with people like Teresa, you can just sit and talk. And I can definitely just sit and talk to her. Um, so with that being said, there are a lot of things that we talk about. Then, and we do bounce around a lot of places, talking about her career and, and talking around you know, safety one and safety two, and we talk about loads and loads of things. Um, but I really thought it sat well in this mini series for a couple of things. Is one is her journey from from kind of safety professional through to this hop kind of expert, uh, and 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 then her journey from paradigm, what paradigm do, and also how they deliver compliance and safety two, or compliance and hop, or safety one and safety two, whatever the bloody hell you want to call it. Um, so we talk about that as well. Um, so that was why I thought it's going in here. So obviously this has took the place of my original plan uh, of last week's interview, not last week's episode, but the last interview, which would have been two weeks ago, which was Simon Cassin, and this episode with Teresa Swinton. These came after the original plan, which was to rebroadcast uh, an episode of Tim Marsh and to rebroadcast an episode of Ron Gant. Um, however, I just thought, well, new content's always better, so let's get these in there. So hopefully you enjoy my conversation with Teresa Swinton. Yeah, we, we've been out, but mainly, unfortunately, investigating incidents. Mm. Um, but apart from that, like you say, you know, just everything is on Zoom now. Even our consultancy work, everything's just, everything's on here now. Yeah, so yeah. um yeah this uh, i think this is going to be the way of it for the for the rest of this year definitely yeah. How, um, have you have you had much of like a business impact from from covid or yeah or yeah what? there's there's good and bad yeah definitely we've had a massive impact on the business so pretty much in um, march when it hit all well there was eight of us we were out in america working where mm. we had a four-year contract out there with a with a fairly big company uh, and literally March, the boom came down. It was like, guys, you've got to go home. Mm. And, um, and so, you know, then um, all of our UK work then within, within a matter of five days, actually, everything just, just closed down. Oh, really? So, uh, yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was a real kind of like, shit, what are we going to do, you know? Yeah. But, um, and I think, I think our gut reaction was probably the same as everyone else's, like, like panic get everything online yeah, yeah, yeah. and um and we went through a bit of that but mm. then when i saw some of the stuff that was coming out online in those early days i was like i ain't doing that i, yeah, I ain't yeah. rush i ain't do i ain't gonna rush this and do it really crap yeah. you know um so i just said to gareth and the team i said right scrap it let's just take our time oh, you know let's let's see what see what comes of it see what our customers want yeah uh, and to be honest with you this you know the weekly webinar yeah that has been i started off we were only going to do four weeks it was like four yeah. weeks oh, really help our clients yeah that's all it was we put a panel no of eight way. people together because our customers were ringing us up going 
we don't know what the hell to do. You know, what, what, do, yeah. what are your other clients doing? So I said, right, we'll put this thing on for four weeks. Well, that was April and we're still going. Still doing that, um, yeah. Yeah, and it's, um, it, it's and just growing. you've got growing. schedule all the way up to New Year as well now, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So it's, wow. it, yeah, but it's, I love it. Thursday yeah. afternoons is like the highlight of my week. Now, <laughs> it is good. But, I've enjoyed them. And you're getting really good turnout as well. Like there's a lot of people in there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, twice now we've managed to, you know, sort of, because there's a hundred in there with your standard Zoom membership. Yeah. Um, so twice now we've managed to sort of break through the hundred where we've got people emailing right. us and I can't get in, I can't get in, is it broken? Right. Uh, and the first time that happened was when Todd was on. I was on the on the phone to Gareth going, shit, what's happened? You know, people are emailing <laughs> me. It was like, we, we max out at a hundred. Oh, wow. like, oh bloody hell so i but, actually missed yeah. that one that was the one I, I did i couldn't go to and i was like oh man but then i've kind of heard todd quite a lot and i i actually was yeah. interviewing him i think like a no a couple of weeks before i was he, gonna he was say it yours. wasn't yeah yeah it was uh, we've not put time. that out yet but but we were, I was interviewing him and any, anyway and i thought nah, oh all right then yeah but it was a shame it's always good to listen to todd speak did you catch Joe on Thursday though? Uh, yeah, I had to shoot off bang on through it. Well, a couple of minutes before three, cause yeah. I had a call, but he was great. Like he's he amazing. Was unbelievable. I loved the way he came at it. And, um, and a lot of the stuff uh, really re that he said really resonated with me, like about yeah. communicating the stuff out, which for me is, yeah. is where I think we fall down a lot. Like, yeah, definitely. Actually explaining it in in the right language for the right audience and stuff like that. But some of the examples oh. you were giving, I was just sitting there like, like mind blown. It was crazy. Yeah, me too. Yeah, he's he's amazing. I, I mean, I've I've heard him speak quite a lot now at different events and online and stuff like that. But I must admit, he saved some he, he saved some gold dust for us. He really mm. did, and that was yeah. Even I was <laughs> having a few tears. <laughs> <laughs> it's good for me as well your little webinar series because there, there's a few on there that i don't know so i just take their name yeah. down post it on the wall get this guy on the podcast yeah easy peasy. yeah exactly yeah. exactly and joe and, and jim marinas i mean they're they're yeah. good value you know they are good value so they've yeah, got some good I've got stuff jim's to name down as well actually i Brilliant. think adam john's put me onto jim's radar yeah so. uh, yeah and adam adam's a good guy as well isn't he you know adam's so a legend yeah definitely definitely yeah. so it's all all you youngsters now all you well, young men <laughs> I, I feel old now if i'm honest trees i got i'm on that iosh future leaders steering group right i'm sure i'm the oldest one there like <laughs> uh, i feel like really grandpa old. the time <laughs> yeah yeah like i'm the old wise one of the group well i'm old i don't know about wise <laughs> Uh, that's like I, I mean it's it's completely different now but when I was when I was approaching 30 I remember it was like a mad race to get on a club 1830 holiday <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's depressing when you go on like the forms and you just watch yourself going up the groups <laughs> isn't it, it <laughs> I, turned, I, I turned 50 yesterday no way yeah yeah, it was my 50th birthday that. yesterday, and it's like, it's shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and some of the forms, you know, they're like 45 to 50, and, and I, I like those forms. But when I, went, I filled one in the other day, and it went like 40, like 40, 40 to 46, yeah. 46 to 60. I was like, fuck off, I'm not taking that box. <laughs> it was so depressing, you know? Uh, <laughs> Yeah, You've just yeah, lost hey. business on that basis. You're like, no, fuck yeah, you. Yeah, I'm in business yeah. with you. 
you, you can piss off a lot of you. Yeah, yeah, you're a saga member. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? Was it your, uh, your your bus pass application? Yeah, it was my bus was. pass. <laughs> Fuck off, James. Don't start that crap with me on here now. Uh, behave yourself <laughs> so what are we going to talk about or is this it is this us well, this is about? this is raw these are my favorite types of podcasts people mm. that just say yeah just let's get it booked and we'll go on so we're already recording so oh, that was lovely god i'll keep my language down then no you're all right you're right swearing you, like an old navvy don't worry about well unless you're worried about your own your own kind of brand but there's no <laughs> There's no uh, no swearing on here. We'll just put a little sticker on the on the thing. Advisory. Yeah, don't worry about it. But they're my favourite. Well, I really want to do. I was talking to Sam Goodman last night, and I was saying to him, I, "We've met. We've mentioned this a few times, but like, did you ever see that series on Channel Four, Drunk History, where oh, the comedians yeah. they got absolutely sloshed?" And yeah. then we'll just talk about history. Well, I think there should be a drunk safety podcast. I think <laughs> once a month where a few people just get absolutely sloshed. And then once they're drunk, that's when you press record. Then, then you interview them. Yeah. And then, and then you then say, we, we just put out a, a question like, right, you, you're like six pints in and four glasses of rum. And you're like, define safety. Can you imagine <laughs> the absolute shitstorm that would happen after that? It'd be great. Mind you, if you said define safety too, you might get some freaking common sense answers. <laughs> <laughs> we might all know what it's all about by the end of it. Oh, love it. But that, that is, uh, the thing is, I started talking to Sam last night. He was like, let's just do it. Let's just do it. And I was like, Sam, I think it's a good idea. But I am concerned about my health. Like, yeah. <laughs> absolutely sloshed one day a month. I'm not sure I'm up for that. I'm, I'm 30 this year, mate. And he's like, I'm 32. I can't remember what he said, but <laughs> and I was just like, dude, I don't think we can hack it. I'll be hung over for till like the following month where we do the oh, next. Tell one. me about it, mate. Tell me about it. My my other half bought me a, a bottle. Of, well, in fact, he bought me two bottles of champagne yesterday, and a, a glass in last night, and I was like zonked on the sofa. <laughs> like, oh my god, this is so embarrassing. So yeah, and it doesn't take me much to get absolutely leathered anyway. To be honest with no. you, so. I, w I wouldn't. I wouldn't be much of a guest on that one. I'd probably be asleep <laughs> after ten minutes. <laughs> Get some good snoring sound bites though. <laughs> well, I think that's it. I think I think you're on the panel, Trader. Yeah, that's that's decided. <laughs> right. In. Let Let's talk about something sensible. Why, why don't something you give us sensible. an introduction in, into yourself first? Like, like how how where did you get? Were you, a no, were you a normal safety professional before you no, went into I was never normal, or? never normal. No. Um, so, no, I was, uh, I, I grew up in, um, you know, uh, power distribution, high voltage power distribution. Um, I started uh, many years ago, too many years ago, um, on a site office, actually, for what was then Balfour Kilpatrick uh, in my home city of Plymouth. They were putting a 132 kV cable through. And um, they, they were looking for a temporary site office clerk. And, right. and I went in and applied for the job and got it. Uh, and then about six months into the job, the managing director for the local construction office came down to visit me and he said, have you heard of this thing called BS5750? And I was like, no. 
And he said, well, basically what it is, is about being able to file stuff really neatly. <laughs> and, um, uh, you know, and, and I really like the way you do our files here. And I think you'd be really good at it. Do you want to be the quality assurance manager for Wales in the West Country? <laughs> and, I've, and I've always been a person, and my team will tell you this, I've always been a bit like the old Catherine Tate um, character. I can do that. <laughs> I, can do that. <laughs> I can do that. I've always been like that. I can do that. So um, I was like, yeah, I can do that. So that's what I did. I went off, um, he sent me off to Bournemouth on a three day um, lead auditors course. Right. Uh, and, and then I moved up to Cardiff and started to work for, for them up there and, and kind of that was it. But it was such a great organization in those days to work for yeah. that you just got the opportunity to try anything and everything. So in a very short space of time, I went from being a site office clerk during the time that I was on the job in Plymouth, I ended up doing a lot of the drawing because <laughs> I had an O level in technical drawing. Make sure you uh, make sure you. Uh, Do you want me to replace O with A on that? Just for that people. <laughs> no, 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 it's no. fine. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, and and it was like, can, have you got an O level in technical drawing? Yeah. Oh, great. Our draftsman's gone sick. Do you want to do the Aslay drawings for this one three two KV cable? I can do that. Yeah, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> um, so, so that that was it basically. And then, as I said, I moved up to Cardiff, and then very quickly, really just you know working with amazing people, uh, and that that's the bottom line of it. Working with amazing foremen, supervisors, engineers, uh, you know, and managers who just let me learn my craft, whatever my craft was. Mm. And I ended up becoming sort of getting involved in project management, um, little, little um, toe in the water with health and safety, but not too much. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then basically I, they won a job on the railways and it was a points heating job. Uh, and they were like, we, we've never worked on the railways before. <laughs> mm. And we need, to, we need to learn how to do that. I was like, I, I can do that. <laughs> so, um, so that, that was how I got uh, involved in, you know, the first job on the railways many years ago was installing points heating uh, and then just just became like everyone does. I think you just get bitten by the bug on the railways. And, and that's where I then stayed for 17 years in a, a whole variety right. of operational roles, you know. Um, uh, and then, unfortunately, um, you know, I, I kind of learned my craft that way. I didn't go to university or go to college. I didn't, you know, get qualifications at that point to do that job. I mm. was just a bit of a jack of all trades, to be honest with you. Um, but I, you know, I worked my ass off and worked hard and put 110% into everything. Uh, yeah. And I wanted to try everything. And, you know, mm. so um, unfortunately, I was running a job on the railways and uh, there was a, an accident, a road traffic accident in which seven of my guys were killed. Well. And um, it was um, it, it was career changing and it was life changing for me, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, and I'd, I'd sort of grown up being one of these um, project managers or operational managers, if you like. That was like, I hated the health and safety people. <laughs> it's yeah. like they were the biggest pain in the ass ever, uh, you know. Uh, and, uh, you know, just tick the box, fill in the sheet. Oh, God, they're coming tomorrow to do an inspection. Make sure everything's <laughs> right. Make sure everyone's got Get their eye on. on. Yeah, absolutely. Get your eyes on. Make sure you got your gloves and all the, you know, all that. And, and it it was like that. And when I look back now, I think, did I know any different? No, I didn't. That's how I yeah, yeah. 
trend you know it was budget it was you know program and you know making as much money as we could and getting the job done to the quality and all that good stuff anyway this accident happened and um it it really rocked me because i think for the first time ever suddenly this thing called health and safety was very serious it was in sharp contrast mm -hmm. and i really at that point in time leaned heavily on the people around me that were qualified in this stuff you know i was frightened i was frightened for me i was frightened for 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 my career that's the truth mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. more importantly you know there were seven families and that were torn apart and it was yeah. just shocking so I, I basically made a decision that i didn't ever want to manage anyone ever again that was yeah. it i was done yeah. but what i did want to do was i really wanted to understand what made these people tick you know and there there was some there was some information coming out of the accident and um that made me start to ask questions about myself um as as a leader on that job and um you know why did the guys do what they did why did they were drunk why did they get in a van drunk why did they think it was so important to get to the job that day there were lots and lots of circumstances if you i mean if you were writing a case study now for human performance this you know you couldn't you couldn't write a better one mm. so i went on a bit of a journey of discovery and got the opportunity to go back well to go to university and do my degree in in occupational safety and health mm. and started to look at though in those days what was new was behavior-based safety yeah. um so everyone was doing you know dupont stuff and safe start and all this you know great great bst was another company that were around at the time and i went into this wholeheartedly i just embraced it i thought it was the best thing since sliced bread because it was about helping the guys and girls there weren't many guys around in those days in the industry or weren't many girls around those days i have to say mm -hmm. but you know helping the guys to get rid of that sort of ego and be able to look out for each other brother's keeper and all that good mm -hmm. stuff that you know of and I, and I just thought it was i thought it was phenomenal i, I loved it and it probably was at the time, was it? Oh, it was, like, it yes, was. was the best thing since sliced it, bread. It, really, it really was because you yeah. know we'd had we'd had you know when you think about it we'd had compliance-based safety because the health mm. and safety at work at came in and the regs came in or it was six pack in the, in the old and yeah, yeah. the good old days and then all the regs started to come in then i think we got into process safety where we started to understand more about you know loss of containment and this kind of thing and and then and then we moved into behavior-based safety and it seemed like the logical next step you know we've mm. we've got our house in order we've got we've got a standard now we've got our house in order now we understand the hazards that we introduce to the workplace and now we've got to get the people sorted and mm. uh, so it made complete logical sense and i loved it so that, that was that was really at the time when i i got into safety you know properly um and I was about 18 months in and at this point in time I'd gone to work um, at two coal-fired power stations uh, and I'd gone there specifically really to bring in this behaviour-based safety and we were sort of 18 months in and I was sitting there with a you know a pile of uh, we 
our behavior-based safety program was someone we developed with the guys on the two power stations. It was called Saber, Safe Behavior Recognition Program. Okay. Uh, and it was phenomenal. The guys themselves developed it. They, they were passionate about it. And, you know, I mean, we were getting thousands and thousands of these observation cards coming in. Uh, and it was a fantastic program. But 18 months in, um, there was quite a bad accident on site. And what I learned was that we had this ton of observation cards that were largely telling us that we were pretty shit at housekeeping and that, you know, people didn't like wearing PPE. Mm. And, you know, we'd made a commitment to investigate every single thing that goes wrong on our site. And we were mm. running around chasing our tails, you know, focusing on the wrong things. Uh, and unfortunately, we we had a disease incident in a mill, uh, and mm. some guys got you know really badly burned. That uh, must have so, been that must have been, sorry that must have been like mind blowing to a point that you you yeah. probably thought you you had it with the behavioural based safety stuff yeah, like what, what a way to what a way to yeah. kind of I can't imagine Teresa what that phone call or, or however you found out was like because you must have been like shit I thought we had this I really yeah. thought we had this. We did. We, we did. I mean, I wasn't on my own. Obviously, there was a team of us and, yeah. you know, we and we, we worked so hard on this program and we had driven down. We'd seen that, you know, predicted up the, the number of near hits going up, but the incidents coming down, it was all it was looking as predicted. Yeah. What we expected to happen was what was happening. Um, and then suddenly this happens. And then after that, there were some more serious incidents and more serious incidents. And. I kind of got disheartened with it a little bit and started to think, well, you know, what, what else is there? This isn't it. And, uh, and I think people just, you know, we got, I got to the point where I was sick of, you know, having a numbers meeting. Well, you haven't filled in your four bloody near hits this month or you haven't mm. done, you know, we didn't hit 600 Sabre observations this month. And it was like, this is, this is just crazy. It, it's mm. crazy. Um, and we've lost the management, you know, I, I think management tend to engage with the safety program for 18 months if you're lucky and then they've moved on and they're looking for the next, you know, one hit wonder. Mm. Um, and I was really frustrated. Uh, at the time I was working, as I said, at the, at the power stations and I got the opportunity to um, go on a training course, this thing called Human Performance, HPI, Human Performance Improvement, yeah. which had been in the nuclear part of that business for a number of years since, you know, sort of the, the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, and I went on a four-day course um, with Shane Bush, mm. um, who was doing all the training. And, and I trained as a HOP or HPI practitioner. Uh, and I this course day one i was like i don't understand it i i, I really <laughs> thought this is you know, this is rubbish <laughs> uh, by the end of day two i was a disciple oh, honestly really? it was that powerful wow. and it was suddenly like all of the gaps you know all of the pennies started to drop all the gaps started to get filled and i was like this is this is this is the game changer this is the thing. It's not about, you know, getting the guys to follow the procedure, you know, shop each other when they see each other doing something unsafe or, you know, take responsibility. You know, it's my responsibility if you're not wearing your PPE. No, it's not. You know, mm. actually, it's about what is driving your behavior or my behavior when we're set to work. 
And, you know, as simple as it sounds all these years later to me, it was a complete game changer. And, you know, suddenly I went back into my workplace thinking I can make a difference. I can make a massive difference just with this little bit of knowledge. And, and the fact that actually it wasn't us as a management team or as a health and safety team who were creating safety with our so-called wonderful procedures. Mm. It was the guys creating safety despite of our crappy procedures. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, whoa, this, you know, so it, it was just a game changer for me. And I, I got passionate about it. Um, and I took the manuals, the Department of Energy manuals, as they yeah. were, and they still are. I mean, they're still like the Bible for hop practitioners today, I think. And I devoured them. And I went back to my power stations and I just turned this theory um, into real tangible tools and techniques and worked with the guys at the power stations and, and implemented this program. Um, and then I got invited to um, go out to Canada and uh, do, do some work with OPG. Um, I got invited to go and speak to, go and spend a couple of weeks with the um, regulator, Tanya Hewitt and, and team and uh, when she was at the regulator there. Uh, and I just embraced this fully. Um, and I eventually got promoted to go into the nuclear side of the business. So I was looking after human performance and nuclear professionalism. Yeah. And, I, and I spent three or four years there doing that um, and really honing my my craft and my skill and really studying up on this. Um, but as with most, you know, sort of um, jobs, let's just say, I, I got I felt confined by what I could achieve there. You know, nuclear mm. is a hard industry to work in. It's a hard mm. industry to go in if you if you've not grown up in the nuclear industry. Uh, you know, and, and people would look at, oh, you've come from a coal-fired power station. Oh, oh, and before that, you were on the railways. All right, yeah, great. <laughs> what do you know about nuclear? You know, so it was hard to, to, to make the scale of change that I knew human performance could bring. Mm. And, uh, you know, long story short, an opportunity came for me to part ways. And um, with, with um, many, many conversations um, over the internet and things with Shane and his wife Peggy uh, who were like you should just do this yourself you know by then causes started coming in can you help us with this could yeah, we out yeah. this off you you know and that mm. kind of thing and I just thought you know what I'm going to take the next opportunity that comes along I'm going to do this mm. um, and and I think the driver behind it and the driver behind it even now today three and a half years in is Nobody should get killed at work. Mm. Nobody should be killed at work. Yeah. Yeah. And nobody should be killed driving to work or driving home from work. Mm. You know, and people shouldn't feel so desperate to get to work that they'll take massive risks like getting a van drunk and, you know, drunk, things like yeah. that. And, and as leaders, one of the things I say a lot is, um, and it's not my saying, I did pinch it from someone else, but it's, mm -hmm. As leaders, we have to be mindful of the shadow we cast. Mm. And, it's, and it's broad and it's deep. And, and the things that we say as leaders have less impact than the things that we do. You know, so if we mm. say, oh, yeah, we want this job done. It's got to, you know, we've got to get this operating unit back on at a power station. And it's got to be back on for Monday morning. But, you know, oh, and we'll get it done safely. Mm. 
it, it doesn't happen. The unit goes back on, but nobody goes back and asks the question about how did we do it, you know? Yeah. And so the, there's, there's a couple of things really that, that really drive me today. And that is trying to make Paradigm into an organization through collaboration, because we can't do it on our own. Hence our webinars, we're creating mm. this, you know, community of practice and, and I'm learning from the Joe Estes and the Todd Conklins and, mm. and, and I'm like a sponge. I soak all of this stuff up and I, I love it. Um, so to, to turn paradigm into a real force that can turn workplaces into healthy, safer environments where people are respected for their knowledge mm. and their expertise and they're listened to. Yeah, I love because that. That's, that's all human performance is. It's just yeah. listening to people yeah. uh, and, and, you know, and respecting what they know about their job and taking that and learning from it. And then, and then the other thing is never, ever, if it's within my gift to let another manager go through that pain of feeling responsible when somebody dies mm. under your watch. Yeah. Uh, or on your or on your watch and that will live with me for the rest of my life okay. and it's it's what gets me out of bed every morning if a client rings and says we've had an incident my heart comes up into my mouth <laughs> that's the first thing I want to know if everyone's all right I want to know if the management are all right and if it's a health and safety manager I'm speaking to and it very often is and they've rung and said trees can you come and help I just want to support them and, you know, say, are you okay? What do you need yeah. from me right now? You know? Yeah. Um, and it, it's, it's the most horrible thing in the world. And, and I, and if we're going to go through that as leaders and we are, because we will continue to hurt people at work, unfortunately, mm. um, then I, then I want to be there to support as many of them as I can. And when it can't be me, then I want to create this community where we're all together you know no matter which one of us is going through this we can pick up the phone to any one of the others and say this is a shit day at the office and i need some help mm. you know because there's no worse place to be there's no worse place to be so yeah that's what, what a story that's what, yeah yeah it's um it, it it's i i never ever thought you know 20 years ago that i'd be doing this job today I never yeah. thought I'd run my own business. I didn't think I'd, mm. you know, have the, uh, have the nerve to do that. Mm. And, and it's hard. It's hard. And, and this year, Jesus, it's pretty shit, actually. This, <laughs> yeah, year. <yeah. laughs> this year has been hell. Um, but this year, I think our job is more important than any other year, actually, yeah. ironically. Um, because companies are expecting a lot of their people this year. Yeah. Uh, and at some point, something has to give. <clears throat> And I don't know about you in your your practice, but I'm just seeing people at the moment. They just look so tired. Um, I think it's broken. I think it's it, it's in a way. I'm kind of so thankful to be going through coronavirus because I don't think there's ever been a lesson for safety professionals, human performance professionals, whatever you want to call yeah. yourself. I, I don't think there's yeah. ever been a lesson from it, and also like i cannot wait to in a year two years time when all this like all the academic sociologists and psychologists and e e econom e 
economists, there we go, are all doing their research right now and they're all working out watching us and they're all going, oh, and we're going to hopefully, you know, if we've taken this opportunity, we can have so much data, so much yeah. qual qualitative and, and hopefully quantitative or whatever we want to look at, so much information and data to inform how we how we work going forward but yeah. we we kind of have to go through this and and my my concern is that we we don't learn the right lessons i think we'll yeah. learn a a lesson but it is whether it's the right one and i'm hearing some conversations of people going do you know what i've got less people at work and we're banging out more products or, yeah. or we're, we're, we're more efficient we're so much quicker and i'm like whoa, whoa, whoa calm down a second let's just oh, yeah. like yeah that's fair enough because in this time your 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 staff if you've got that right kind of culture you know they've, they've come into this environment they've realized I'm, I'm grateful to have my job i'm grateful to still be working i feel safe whatever and i'm just going to plow we need to get this this job done and we need to get through this that's really really good kind of that you know you hopefully if you've been able to be profitable through this process you're, you're quite a resilient business but that yeah. doesn't mean that that is this, the permanent state forever because no. if you did that ironically you wouldn't be that resilient in a year's time you would eventually Absolutely. just snap yeah because and it's kind that's of, it isn't it it's like yeah. an elastic band and it's only got so much it's only got exactly. so much stretch um and that's what resiliency is all about isn't it uh, but you're, you're absolutely right. And I, I just think where, you know, I mean, we call it, obviously, you know, I'm teaching you, uh, preaching to the choir, but this normalization deviance, mm. you know, because that's the problem that that's what we can do very quickly. This becomes the way we do things around here, but it's not it's yeah. not the way we do things around here so yeah it's it's uh, it's a big worry that um and already like i said i'm i'm seeing some of that i'm seeing incidents start to creep up i'm seeing the severity of incidents creep up yeah. uh, and i think people are tired mm. i think we you know i it was, i did a panel discussion the other day for paul clark's um hse congress yeah. and uh, anna anna king was on it and she she said she's always profound what you know the things that she says but she she said in the next 10 15 years no one will ever write their cv without putting what they did during covid on it mm -hmm. you know so it, it will change our profession um but but really what you know this thing about how how leadership will look different as we go forward from here you know and i don't think that the skills and the um attitudes and, and and the things that we celebrated in leaders pre-covid will be the same as we sell as we celebrate in the future that that vulnerability it will be so important to us and mm. those are the people who have led best i mean the um the ceo of bp you just gotta follow him on linkedin and see some of the stuff that he's been doing you know during mm. during the pandemic and just just laying his soul bare really and, and other mm. amazing leaders out there who who are just just doing things so differently and really shaking things up out there those are the people that we need to look up to i think and and Definitely. follow their lead um but yeah you're right it's this has been a massive learning curve and um you know there, there is so much to take away from it and hopefully we haven't all been too sort of head down ass up in the muck and bullets to mm. to recognize that the, the majority of those organizations out there have done a bloody good job yeah. getting through this and you know 
but but I think the face of leadership will definitely change. So, mm. and I, I just hope people come out of it grateful for their for their people. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like like there ain't yeah. ain't no got you through this other than the people that are down in the dirt, you know, running the machines or or building yeah. the house or whatever. You know, I just I really really hope that not not just in a business aspect but also in like a social aspect where those people that some people may have looked down upon like cleaners or carers you know yeah. my family's full of carers and my wife you know has been a carer she when she's on maternity leave right now but you know she's a carer my mum's a carer you know both work in hospitals and and even i you know back years and years and years ago would would have was born and raised to kind of look down on those kind of roles i never looked down on the person but it was always like i never wanted to be in that role and that and now i look back on it and i go jesus christ if we didn't have those roles that can you imagine if we didn't have cleaners if we didn't have carers if we didn't have nurses you know and i think nursing and doctors kind of demand a bit more respect but it's those roles that we we forget about the corner shops you know the tesco yeah. shelf stackers and and people like that that jesus christ have, have yeah. had the biggest challenge of their life and now we look at it yeah. and i'm just so grateful to those yeah. people and i hope that businesses appreciate that and i hope that that societies appreciate that now uh, yeah. you know granted there's a bigger economical kind of conversation around it but you know we maybe even paying these people more or, or you know, something around that are we like we're paying the wrong people i was listening to a, a podcast this morning uh eat sleep work repeat um yeah. podcast and they were had a gentleman on who i can't for the life of me remember his name but he was talking about bureaucracy like beating bureaucracy and he said that, that i think it was 20 percent of a business is is pure bureaucracy like the middle yeah. management and admin team to, that just get paid a hell of a lot of money but deliver very little value to the business mm. and, and and actually you could save a hell of a lot of money by getting rid of that section of your business and taking that money and putting it to where it matters which is exactly what we talk about in safety and in human performance and safety too where it matters mm. is the shop floor yeah absolutely that yeah I mean, look at, you know, when you think about it, just just picking up on what you said about, you know, our cleaners and our, our carers and, and, you know, bus drivers, all of those people who have continued yeah. to work through this. I mean, when you talk about high hazard industries, you know, mm. pre-COVID, you think oil and gas, you think power, mm. you think, you yeah. know, all of those, you know, high hazard industry this year, working yeah. at Tesco's, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. working in a care home yeah uh, you know and and those people they they have to have nerves of steel to get out of bed every morning and go and do that job yeah. um I, like you my my mum you know worked in nursing homes when i when i was a kid and, and so so yeah absolutely maximum respect to those people but working in them during this time yeah, where they yeah. where they're having to where they can't even go and see their own families you know mm. because they're putting their jobs first and and so yeah i think i think you're absolutely right but that's the whole that's the whole thing for me everyone everyone who's going out there and they're working for the man they deserve that respect and mm. that's the whole thing i think with you know that and it really does i mean I, I i don't want to get into the sort of um the argument of it but i guess it's worth touching on it what has really shocked me of our community if you like our health and safety community is with all oh, this, this crap here we go no 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 is with all of this crap going on all of this covid going on yeah yeah and yeah. you've still got 
them battling about is it safety differently is it safety oh, two is it oh, safety yeah. one is it safety and it's both three? sides it's both is, sides oh it totally is of the and fence. it's like yeah. who gives a shit yeah, yeah to be yeah. perfectly frank do you know what it's about the people who are out there and making sure that they can go home from work at the end of their shift with 10 fingers, 10 toes, and mm. that we're not hurting them. We're not hurting our business anymore. And we're not hurting the environment. I don't give a toss whether you proceduralize it, whether you rely on it, whatever, whatever it is. It's Preach. a journey. It's a maturity yes. journey. It's not one or the other. Yes. And you know, for me, I think that as a community on LinkedIn, particularly, which is where we all see it all, there's so much BS going on at the moment. Yeah. It's like, yeah. you know, and, and unfortunately, really good people are tied up in this political, you know, debate yeah. when they should actually be getting off their asses, going out there and working with these organizations who are losing people. And, uh, you know, and like I say, you have suddenly become high hazard industries, mm. you know, instead of worrying about, is it safety one? Is it safety two? get out there and make a bloody difference and keep yeah. some people safe. Yeah. So, so for me, it's like, you know, it, I think as a community, we're missing the bloody trick. Yeah. Um, we, we've got a big job to do at the moment, a big mm. job to do in helping these organizations. Uh, and, you know, when I, one of the biggest things I get asked by, you know, clients when I go and work with health and safety teams, they say, you know, we love this hop stuff. We love human performance. We, we like the sound of safety differently, um, but we can't get buy-in from our leaders. You know, we just can't get them to engage with us and they don't want to hear us. And I'm like, have you got an idea of what they're dealing with at the moment yeah. because while we're over here in our little bubble playing yeah. like kids in a bloody playground mm. our business leaders are over here trying to survive yeah um and i and i think you know we're we're losing the plot a little bit as a community at the moment and it needs a rocket i love that i love that i was talking to my friend last night who's not who's not a safety pressure he's a, he's a builder a house builder and um and we were talking about my our, our profession and it was saying yeah. you know the, the world this is this is the first time in my career at least this is the first time that that we are seeing now where, where depending on the culture in your business this, this yeah. is the first time you are looked upon as an asset because it was a safety professional that gets you yeah. back to work you know everyone was locked down and then yeah. and then we were unlocked down and now it's like you need to make us covid secure however you yeah. did that i don't give a shit whether you did yeah. procedures whether you 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 forced it on everybody or you engaged yeah. them, i really don't care but the point is that the world is now looking at the safety professional right this is yeah. your time to yeah. not be a dickhead it's kind of what we were talking about last night. This is the time not to go. Do you know what? I've been trying to get this new version of a checklist and I'm going to absolutely go nuts and I'm going to ask for loads of funding. No, 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 no. This is the time to, to go to your leaders and say, what can I do? Yeah. And this is the time to go to the shop floor and go, what can I do? And that's yeah. it. This is not the time to pull out all those old projects that, that got turned down because you didn't have the budget because everyone's listening to you now. This is the time to, to kind of relax you've done your job you've got everybody back to work now you've, you're dealing with a local lockdown whatever deal with covid prove yeah. your worth in that because that's where people are looking and then the rest of your time 
build relationships. Yeah, totally. Like as far totally. as I'm concerned, don't 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 think that this is the oh everyone's looking at us now, so let's go safety mad. No, no, no. Just calm down a little bit, bide your time, and pick your battles. Because yeah, I'm I'm so scared now of us all just going nuts and be like, now's the time. No matter what side of the defence you're on, now's the time to implement a hop. In, scheme in our business you know let's get loads of funding do you know what i mean like it, no 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 people they don't give a shit about that they haven't got time no. right now they're trying to work Absolutely. out how we don't make people redundant next year and, and how we have to pay the bills you're um, absolutely spot on you're absolutely just, spot on and to your point about the the, the bickering um i i just I, i'm gonna i think we'll wait till the end of this this episode and we'll, we'll see where the conversation goes but i think if it carries on down this route i will add this to the mini series that's going to come out that now it comes out on monday but it, it it's safety one and safety two that's what the mini series is called yeah. and it's called that for a reason because yeah. it's my it's my learning journey essentially talking to yeah. people like todd conklin john green uh kelvin yeah. gen um, and then some, and then Adam Johns, Kevin Furness, who else have we got? Carsten Bush, David Provan. Yeah. I think yeah. we're doing some re, some republish of a yeah. conversation I had with Ron Gant a long time ago. But yeah. the point Ron's is, great. it's me learning about what is safety one, what is safety two. But I'm also trying to say, if I don't really care what happened, whichever one works for you pickets like people ask me, well, what are you, safety one, safety two? I'm like, do you know what I am? I'm a bloke at a buffet. And, and there's loads of stuff. And I'm going to take a pick of what works. Yeah, I'm not going to go up and just be like, I only like sausage rolls. So I'm going to take some sausage rolls and that's it. Just have a whole plate of sausage rolls. How boring. I'm going to be like, I'm a little sausage roll. I'm going to have a little samosa over here. And then yeah. I'm, I'm running out of what's on the buffet. Um, <laughs> some pineapple and cheese. Peach. Yeah. <laughs> but like that, that's how I look at this. Like I take I a little bit of, of human yeah. performance, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to to like, It'd be interesting to see actually how you kind of do this in, in with your clients. But like when when we want to move into this world of safety two, it's that old argument, isn't it? Of like, we're going to destroy safety one. And it's like safety one's kind of the foundations of, of what yeah. we need to build on. So how yeah. does that look like for you when you go into a client? When you say you've got, say I'm your client, I ring you up and I go, Teresa, I've been doing this real process-based safety for ages. It's compliance, compliance, compliance. I finally got leaders on board. They're listening to me. They think safety two or hop is the way to go. Like, what does that look like, that, that process? How do you kind of approach that? Well, the first, thing that, the first thing is that I want to confirm that they are legally compliant. I want to know that for definite. Because unfortunately, there are companies who will ring us up and say, yep, yep, it's, you know, it, it, we want this hop stuff because they perceive it's about fixing the, their workers. Uh, you know, okay. it's the next thing to fix the workers. That's interesting. Um, uh, and and then very often we'll go in and we'll start to talk to them. Our first point is to talk about organisational drift and help them to understand how, you know, they're achieving their successful outcomes because of the things that their people are doing, whether that be following procedures or not following procedures. Mm. So the way that that company is setting its people up is, is the most important thing. So first thing I want to know is, are you legally compliant? Because I don't want to come and spend a lot of your time, money and effort looking at, um, you know, maturing your safety culture and those kind of things and looking at those behaviours and, uh, and leadership um, skills if if you haven't got a you know a kosh 
procedure yeah. or or you know your guys are working at height and they're not clipped on or you yeah, know yeah. You, you've got you're creating explosive atmospheres or mm. and unfortunately 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 many of the organizations they're not compliant they're, it's not good enough jesus well, christ sorry <laughs> i think my wife's home either that or someone's at the door give me one second just check what's going no worries. on I'll tell you what it was, a fat load of nothing, literally <laughs> nothing at my door. Well, that's the best thing to have disturbed you on a Saturday night, mate. <laughs> what an absolute dickhead of a dog. He's so uh, loud. Well, mine's deaf, so, and uh, he's got kidney, he's very old, he's 16, he's a West Island Terrier, and all he does pretty much is snore uh, and <sighs> sleep, that's about it, you know, a, sl a snore and eat, so that's about it. So, yeah, sorry, so I... Yeah, basically, I, I want to know if they're if they're compliant, uh, mm. and because if they're not, that's where their focus needs to be. And it's really easy to go in and do all the sexy stuff and all the you know all the soft, fluffy, nice stuff. But if while I'm in there doing that, the HSE come in and they've got a breach of a regulation, then it, it makes me look pretty bloody stupid, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I need to know that what we've now come to call safety one is that is that there. Are they as, as good as they need to be? And are they compliant with the law? And are they are they creating safe work environments for their people? Are they setting them to work safely? So things like that, you know, and, and I really do want to look at those things, those hard and fast things first. So, you know, typically we would go in and, you know, I mean, we we offer a service in that. You know, we, we help companies get compliant first and foremost. It's important. Yeah. Then, then we're at where I really want to look and this is something that I guess you know from, from what you know from Todd because we all learn from Todd and uh, and it's how do you respond to failure that's a big question mm. for me so the next start the next point for me very often is let me have a look at some of the incidents that have happened in the past let me look at how you've investigated them let me look at what you've found um, as the causal factors what things led to those incidents uh, and what did you do once you found those things to try and prevent that happening again? You know, mm. old style safety one, root cause analysis. I'm sorry, I don't think it'll ever go away. No. I think we have to analyze incidents and understand why they occurred. Uh, I mm. can't think of any other way we would ever do that. Mm. Um, so I want to understand that because then I then I start to understand the culture of the organization. So are they, you know, is it a blame culture? Is it a no blame culture? Is it a fair blame culture? Whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. um, so I want to understand that because then at that point I need to understand, you know, if, if, if an incident occurs in this organization and I'm likely, or I'm going to be helping somebody to investigate the thing that's gone wrong. What I want to understand is if that person straight away that they're involved in an incident is under an HR process, a disciplinary process, then I probably can't interview them and get a really good safety interview out of them. Does that, does that make sense when I say a safety know, interview, you. you know, because they're going to be fearful for their job because they're yeah. under this HR process. So, so I don't see, I don't always see my job is just working with a health and safety manager or a health and safety team. Mm. Uh, and and so typically when we go to work with an organization i want to speak to the ceo i want to speak to the coo i want to speak to the operations directors because i want to know how they set their people up for success and what they understand about their legal responsibilities under the mm. health and safety of work act 
but but other you know and and where the health and safety teams sit in their estimation mm. um so so that's kind of you know for me the building blocks are the first thing that i want to check on then i want to understand the culture because one thing i will never ever do and we don't do this as paradigm is there's no manual that we take off the shelf here and go all right here you go it, you know follow that from a to z and you'll be perfect yeah. it doesn't work like that we want oh, to work what? with our Crack. client <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah we want to work with our client we want to understand their culture we want to understand their leadership culture and then mm. we want to give them the best chance of success with their program mm. so there's no there's no point going into a, a really you know i mean you went you mentioned the word bureaucracy and i i, I i'm a great thing, great person for like playing on words bureaucracy isn't a bad thing you know it's not it's not an evil thing bureaucracy mm. is good when it's there for the right reasons yeah. red tape is not good lots and lots of red tape but mm. bureaucracy is a good thing it's meant you know accountability is a good thing discipline is a bloody good thing we all need that in our organizations but very often we can get too hung up on words and mm. suddenly they have a bad connotation um, so, you know, accountability and responsibility and blame, you know, these, these three words for me get interchanged, you know, that. they get lots in organizations, you know, yeah. but we don't use the word accountability because, you know, that, that used to be a really bad word for the old CEO. So now we use responsibility. It's, like, <laughs> it's the same bloody word, you know, it's, <laughs> it's got the same meaning, yeah. you know, for you, it's got the same meaning. Um, but, you know, get a dictionary. Uh, and these are not bad words, they're just words. Yeah. So, so understanding that before you can even start to think about, you know, how, how are these, how is this organization going to shift from its current paradigm to where we would like it to be? So compliance, behaviors of workers and managers and leaders, and then looking at how do we set our people up and how do we drive the behaviors that we're looking for? Mm. Uh, we we and the other thing as well which is really interesting for me is when we talk about culture you know and people say well you know what is the culture of this organization i it's just the world according to teresa but i think as a leadership team you have to determine what the culture of your organization is that you want mm. otherwise you're just going to get led by the nose because mm. no matter what you want you will have a culture <laughs> As a leadership yeah. team, you have the opportunity to determine what that culture is and then move your organization in that direction. Or you just, like I say, you just get led around by the nose. And mm. so when I, when I go and work with management teams and leadership teams, I say to them, what's the culture of your organization? And they say, well, yes, it's this, it's that. And I say, so, you know, what is the culture that you're looking for? Well, wow. <laughs> oh, um, you know, uh, and and it's like, yeah, yeah, it's like I've just come come from a different planet. You know, it's like, yeah. well, what do you mean? What's the culture we want? Well, it's your destiny. <laughs> you need mm. to decide what kind of company you want to run. Yeah. Uh, and then what we can do is we can help you put the things in place that can move you in that direction. But do you know what? You're going to have to live and breathe and eat and sleep it every day for the next God knows how many years until it mm. happens. And the minute you slip off course, guess what? All your people are going to follow you off course as well. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, 
all of the all of those things and it, it's it, you know it it's really difficult to say well right we don't go into a company we go a b c d and e and then we're out of there and they're all great and sparkly and shiny it doesn't work like that the one thing that paradigm does which i i think differentiates us uh, and again me determining the culture of the organization i wanted to run three and a half years ago when i set this up i'd worked in corporate and i'd brought consultants in mm -hmm. and typically they were a pain in the ass they really <laughs> were and mm -hmm. uh, you know they'd come in they'd be on a day rate i'd give them a desk in the office and three years later they'd still be sitting there you know oh, i don't know right? whether i just lost you are you okay yeah, yeah, yeah sorry I can still see you know three years later they'd still be sitting there polishing a seat with their ass in my <laughs> office you know and i'd be thinking you know oh, when does this dying. person when do they leave yeah. <laughs> and if they leave if they leave does all the work that they've just done go with them so one i didn't want to be that kind of consultancy organization mm. uh, and i also knew that i didn't want to be just a training company because just training delivers nothing yeah. You know, I, I can put 300 people through a training course tomorrow in a year's time. I will have nothing to show for my money. Yeah. So yeah. I knew I didn't want to be a crap consultancy and I knew I didn't run a, want to run a training company. So therefore, our business model was built around that. And our business model is we go in, we understand you where you are today. We build on what is good in your organization and there will be good things even if they don't even if they're not quite ticking properly at the moment they might just need a bit of tuning or a fine adjustment mm. but there will be good things that we can build on and and then i want to identify with you the people in your organization that can work alongside me and my team and learn to do what we do so mm. very quickly our you know our our sort of model becomes we come in we build alongside you we build your internal capability we watch and we supervise and we mentor and we coach. And then when the stabilizers are off, you know, we step back and, and you know, your program is sustainable without us because I've got another, you know, my, my goal for my organization, my first goal was educate a thousand organizations by 2030. And that was about where we spoke, who we spoke to, what we gave away, what we did for free, which in mm. the first year was most stuff. We just mm -hmm. did it for free. Um, uh, and then within 18 months, we had a thousand organizations on our list. And it was like, mm. well, we've done that. Yeah. So now it's 30,000 organizations by 2030. Yeah, nice. And I can't, I can't do that on my own. So that's why you know, we work with you and, you know, we, we, we work with Joe Esty and Todd Conklin and Shane Bush and the webinar, you know, which regularly has 70, 80 people a week on it, mm. because that's how we will create this community and, and drive this movement, you know? Mm. And, and the other thing, you know, for me about business is there is, there is so much for us all to do. Yeah. There is so much work out there. We don't need to, yeah, we don't need to be we don't need to fight each other for work yeah. so I, I don't consider myself to have any competitors i mm. I, I don't have any competitors all i have are collaborators mm. uh, and if a client rings me up and says i need 20 consultants all around the world next week guess what i've got about 60 companies that i can pick up the phone to tonight and they'll say yep trees how many people do you want and where do you want them yeah yeah uh, and so that's that's the business that I'm building, uh, and 
it it really is we stay true to that culture that we're creating which is a collaborative culture it's about giving back more than we take uh you know and and like i said right at the start really just making safe making work a healthier safer more respectful environment for everyone um and and yeah there are countries where we've got a lot of work to do Mm. (laughs) there are companies where we've got a lot of work to do (laughs) But there's enough of us. If, if we just work together and we stop bickering and we stop saying, is it one? Is it two? Now, is it bloody three? For God's sake, as if we weren't confused enough. Yeah. Um, it, it's just all of us and we, we're on a mission and we need to, we need to get our act together and, and work together to change it. Oh, here, here. 100%. I'm going to cut that and that's going to be a clip. 100%. <laughs> that was great. Well said, Teresa. I mean, there's so much there that you've said that I just as as you're kind of talking i'm like oh that's a good conversation point i'll put that there and there's another one ping i'll put that there oh there's another one ping 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 and now and now I'm like oh too much um i love i love the way you kind of the way you talk about in, in the the word oh, it's just so much like you know are you compliant it's like that that is i hate the word compliance because and and this is interesting because this will bring us on to the piece you said about words that we use. Um, I hate the word compliance, but I don't hate the word compliance. I hate the way we use the word compliance, yes. yeah. uh, which is interesting. And and it's interesting that you said that's exactly what you said. And it's interesting when I, and the, the episode coming out on Monday, me, and, and if you'd listened to Todd's podcast, you probably heard it, but um, Todd was actually on my podcast when he put out uh, on his was ages ago Well, the full ones coming out on mine on Monday and we kind of got we didn't get going but we, we kind of had a misunderstanding of each other between the word I use as efficiency he asked me to define safety and I said well I define safety as efficiency because I've always been taught that you kind of you design safety in and and when I look at efficiency for me it's inefficient to to lose lives at work. It's inefficient to have accidents at work because that costs money, costs time, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. which is in effect is inefficient in my opinion. Um, and and I understood where he was coming from. You know, he basically talking about the Eric Conagle's thoroughness and efficiency trade off, and, yeah, and and I get and I get where he's going. But the examples that I thought he used on efficiency, to my opinion, was over efficiency like driving uh you know a car for 100 years 100 miles an hour because that's the fastest it could go for example and never mot in it and never servicing it is what some people call efficient i, I don't yeah. think that's efficient i think that's inefficient so yeah. it's really fascinating what you say but it's effective yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's the other really that's quick. the other word isn't it efficiency yeah. versus effectiveness as well and we can go um, on forever i think just yeah. arguing about these words yeah, all totally. the time and, and I just think, Joe, you know what, what does it mean for you? Like if I go into a business and, and, I'm, and they were like, right, we want to be compliant. I'm okay. What's compliant? Yeah. What, what's compliant for you? If, and, and if they turn around and say, you know, I want to write hundred procedures and I want all of my people to be exactly doing that. Okay. What's that procedure look like? Um, cause some people will think that a procedure is step one, step two, step three, left foot, right foot, right foot, but they, they might call it a procedure, but actually that procedure is quite descriptive and not prescriptive it's just yeah. a word that they use yeah. um and and that's 
I've gone through that myself, like, and still go through that now, that battle of just yeah. going, or oh, if you say, if you say you're a consultant and, or you, you manage compliance, I'll, I'll write you off straight away. Yeah. It wasn't so long ago. I wrote, I, I, on this podcast said, I don't apply for a job. If it says compliance in the title, I won't apply for it. Now I probably still wouldn't, but my point oh. is that, that I, I judge a lot of people and a lot of things on that word compliance or words like procedure, but actually it doesn't, it, 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 it exists for a reason. Like you do have to be compliant with the law. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, well, that's, you know, at, at, at the end of the day, it is a health and safety manager as a, as a senior manager, believe you me on that day in court, compliant is your favorite bloody word. You're hoping someone calls you compliant. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. you, so you better bloody know if you're compliant or yeah, not. So, true. you know, for me, as I say, they are just words. I think the the Health and Safety at Work Act is there for a reason. It, it, you know, the Factories Act before it, these things are there for a reason and we can't mm. ignore them. Uh, and, you know, we have to do, you know, what we can. I think we get, we get tied up in knots, um, mm. you know, uh, and we don't, we don't understand ALARP. We don't understand as low as reasonably practicable um uh, there's there's lots of stuff that we don't understand and we don't um do very well i think you know mm. tolerable risk well what's a tolerable risk well nothing's tolerable well then we're into the, the whole bloody zero harm conversation let's not go there but but what we have to do it's it's our job it's our responsibility as a health and safety community to help the managers and the people that we support and keep out of prison understand their responsibility. And it's our responsibility to make sure that they know what they have to do in order to make their people safe and make mm. their company safe and so on and so forth. Their focus is making profit. And, and, I, and I know that we talk about, you know, well, profit versus safety and all the rest of it. If we don't make a profit, we might as well not blow bother going to work yes you know and yes. if, and if, if you if safety really is your overriding you know it's the number one thing well tell everyone to stay at home shut the gates and don't bother operating there's only one company in the uk that should have safety first as their priority that's a hse as far as i'm concerned that is it everyone else makes a profit if you don't make a profit i ain't got a job like i can't go into the boardroom and say you must put safety first because i hope they don't because if they put safety first i'm screwed like I'm out of the job. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've got some bills to pay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But unfortunately, you know, where because sometimes, and, and again, you know, I, I don't think the way that we're, you know, our, um, uh, Anna, have you interviewed Anna yet on this? I actually haven't. No, I've spoken oh, to Anna you, so many times, but Anna, sorry. Oh, you've she, got to get her on here because, you know, she, she'll, she'll be able to talk with much more authority about the way we're trained as a profession and the way we're taught and what we're taught. You know, we're, we're taught compliance. We're mm. taught about the regulations and we're taught case study and all of that great stuff. And it, and it is great stuff. And as I've, I've already said, we need it. You know, jobs are good. And, but what we also need is a, a seat at the top table. Uh, and I'm, I love it when I go to an organization and uh, I'm talking to a health and safety director, VP, whatever it is, and, and who do you report to? I report to the CEO or I yeah. report to the board. 
Definitely. Fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, normally we're, we're on a winner because yeah. safety has got a voice at the top table and it is important and it is recognized and it is valued. When mm. I go to organizations and it's not all of them, when I go to an organization, I say to the health and safety person, who do you report to? And it's, well, I report into the HR manager, I report into you know, the operations finance director. manager, the operations manager, which is a bit like you know, the fox watching the chickens sometimes, not yeah. always, but it can be. Conflict of interest as far as Conflict. I'm concerned conflict of priorities yeah. um you know and also very often reporting into somebody who doesn't know my profession yeah. so if if i'm reporting into an operations director who's got you know um quality who's got finance who's got you know operations engineering all of these other responsibilities safety just becomes a a, a noise Mm. amongst many other things and and if there's something else that that's his priority for that week then safety can drop down the priorities and unfortunately go on. go on sorry no i was going to say and when things go wrong it's the top man or woman that the hse want to want to speak to mm. Mm. and if that top man or woman the the voice of the safety person is being crushed down through all of this other business priorities then I'm not getting to know what I need to know and I'm not mm. getting it untainted. That message is somehow getting diluted. So, you know, if you're a CEO or, you know, you're the top person at the top table in that organization, I always want to have a health and safety person reporting directly into me. I want to yeah. know if my ass is exposed. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> For one. Exactly, yeah. Um, and, I, and but most importantly, I want to know if I'm hurting people or putting people mm. at risk. Yeah, you know, I think whichever floats your boat, get a health and safety person reporting directly to you. You know, I, I think the, the, I've 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 worked for several businesses that had safety reporting into a director of operations, and I've been very clear that I don't agree with it. Um, I think it's the wrong line. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean you can't do a good job. I think some people, some businesses might make that work, whatever. But I think what that says to me. And, and this is just again we're just talking about phrases and words really so you know we're we're, we're, we're contradicting ourselves to a point but i think it, it communicates a message to me if safety reports into operations so let's imagine you've got operations uh i don't know we imagine a big business so you've got operations and you've got like supporting services and then you've got i don't know like finance and HR, right? They're your three, they're your four sectors of a business, right? If I'm reporting it, if safety reports into operations, then that tells me that this, that the safety doesn't apply to the other departments or should they have a safety person in their own department? Yeah. Like, like, yeah. so, so hang on. And that's when, that's when I think you run the risk of getting to a position where you go and talk to, uh, say, you say you want to talk about like stress and uh, mental well-being. You go talk to their, the HR team or the finance team, you know, quite a finance, quite a stressful environment. So you go to the finance yeah. team, you say, how's things going? And what are you doing here, James? Yeah, um, absolutely. Come to talk about stress. Yeah, but you're operational. Yeah, like, absolutely. Doesn't yeah, we're in our silos. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I just think exactly. when you bring up when you bring it up to the top, I think it it works because it creates that umbrella over the top because that's that's why I love the, the job because one day I'm talking to the finance uh, advisor and the next day I'm talking to an engineer and I have yeah. to change the way I talk and and the way I listen and and, and stuff like that and I, I love that about the job. Um, yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, but I think I if you're stuck in one one department, I, I, I don't think it works. But I, should it sit under HR? I don't know. I think I think again that does the same thing. I think that means that that, that we're just a people function. But yeah. I think it like we we just look after people. But then if you if you consider what we do in risk, like I I, I love it when a business has a director of risk. Like that's my favorite. That I think that really works. Like that's yeah. really nice. Like yeah. a director of risk. That means I'm looking at more than just health and safety. That means I'm I'm looking at how the business operates. Business. It's what's yeah. a risk? Is this a risk to our brand and stuff like that? Because yeah. a lot of the time, imagine your color brand. Your color brand is on BBC News and Charlie Slate and, and Nagaman Shetty are slagging you off on BBC News. And, and I think when we talk about just health and safety, I, I was talking about just fire safety, like yeah. the, the kind of brand stuff, I was just kind of it kind of laughed out the room because we had this brand strategy team. That was their job, but they were yeah. just marketing experts. And I'm yeah. like, no, my job is is risk. I can nail yeah. this stuff at risk, but I can't have those conversations because you don't yeah. let me in the room. No, I think no, that's the so risk true. that you have when when yeah. you when you kind of put safety in the wrong department because we have some serious potential, yeah. some serious potential to help you Absolutely. in the business. Like, yeah. listen to us. And then the flip side comes back to what I said. What we were saying earlier is, as a safety professional, don't abuse that. Like, yes. if they're listening to you, don't abuse it and no. be reasonable and be practicable. Like you're yes. designed to, uh, uh, required to be. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and again, as you said, the important thing there is that, you know, as I, I was talking to somebody the other day and um, they were saying to me um, uh, that I, I do some coaching with, with um, health and safety managers and, and operational managers as well. And I was doing a one to one coaching session with somebody and um, uh, she was saying that she gets a one to one every month with each of the directors of the business, you know. And that's her opportunity to um, give them an update. Uh, and so, you know, we were going over the, the effectiveness of these meetings and, mm. um, you know, uh, that she was failing really to, to land her messages, but also failing to get some, some buy-in. And she was like, you know, it's so frustrating. I, I sit down with them each individually for, you know, a, a, a session every month. It's supposed to be an hour. It normally goes on for an hour and a half, two hours, uh, okay. you know. And, and my question was, what's the percentage of talking versus listening you're doing? Mm. And um, it was really interesting because she said, well, it, it, it's I present to them. So I said, all right, OK, what, what are you presenting? So she said, well, it's like the monthly dashboard. I go through that with them. You know, I tell them, you know, and, the and she, was doing, yeah. she was doing great. Don't get me wrong. It was great stuff. Yeah. She was doing what they had asked her to do, you know, and she yeah. does this religiously every month. So she goes in, she puts the PowerPoint either on the screen in the office or on her laptop and she goes through it and she talks to them and, and then they say, okay, and what, what do you need from me this month? And, you know, all oh, right, well, I could do with you doing this or that, you know, mm. uh, and, you know, the, everyone was coming away from those meetings feeling like they were productive, but what she wasn't doing was listening. Mm. And, and so what she, and she wasn't giving them the opportunity to talk. So I said to her, I said, look, how would it, how would it, you know, what do you think would happen if you go in this month and you say, um, there's the dashboard, I've printed it off for you, have a look at that in your own time, or maybe we yeah. could spend 10 minutes on it at the end of this session. But what I'd like really for you to do today is just talk to me about, you know, your job. Mm. Talk to me about 
your department. Mm. Talk to me about what keeps you awake at night. Mm. You know, these are the, and so we listed, you know, 10 or 15 questions and she was like, uh, okay, um, I think they're going to kind of say, look, if you haven't got anything important, this hour is really important. I'll claim the hour back. Yeah, I said, yeah. well, go and go and try it, you know, and, and that will tell you a lot about the leadership team that you're working for. Yeah. By the way, if they if they if if they give you the bums rush, that tells you one thing. If yeah. they talk to you for an hour, that's going to tell you a whole lot more. Yeah. But it means that the next time you go back and you speak to them, you can start to speak their language. Mm, and that. when you when you that. leave their office, you can start to do the things and address the things that are eating their lunch. Yeah, not yeah. and you're not just telling them the things you think they want to hear because our our operational management a lot of the time they look to us as the experts. And if we go in there with a dashboard and the LTIs and the near hits and all the, then they're going to think that's what we're telling them they need to know. Yeah. Uh, and so I think we have, we have a responsibility to educate these people or lead or teach them and show them what their responsibilities are, what, you know, what they need to know, what they need to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we can do that by listening to the things that are, you know, eating their lunch as i as i tell my team you know just go and listen don't don't talk go and listen i think that's that's great and i think i think that it's just yeah there's so much gold in this tree well you're a legend i should have got you on ages ago but like this (laughs) this is this is awesome because it's interesting that there was a conversation on linkedin and it was nice because this this guy put on this this question um around like his question was, how do you kind of measure safety within your business? And he said in a post, like, I don't want to, I don't want to hear like LTIRs or, or stuff like that. I, I don't want to hear that. Like, how do you really measure it? And I was like, wow, what a question. What a great question. And, I, and I'd put like a tongue in cheek comment. And, and sometimes I, I forget that it's really hard to get tone across when in text. Yeah. And I should remember yes. that because sometimes I just look like a sarcastic asshole when actually yeah. I'm just trying to be funny. We've all um, done it. We all do it. Don't worry. And, but I do it like on a daily basis. <laughs> I, mean, I should know better by now. But but <laughs> I put on there like, I can't remember what I put. Oh, I put like, there's this really old uh, borderline magical way to measure. It's called talking. Like, and it was just, but, and then, and then like, anyway like people like it and i'm just like ah oh, shit I, I look like this safety two disciple now like, <laughs> ah this has gone wrong but anyway we had this really good conversation off the back of it the guy was like come back and he said look i'm on your side and i was like oh no there is no side this is no, going no side, yeah. i don't mean that but we, we got to this <laughs> point where he was like how do you he asked me like okay i get what you're saying go and talk to your staff i get that like like go and ask them um i saw what we, we had another comment and i commented saying you just go and ask them you know what what's what's the risk here for you like go and ask a machine operator or whatever what's the risk what are you dealing with what makes your job hard what can i do to make to make your job easier um what's your challenge today things are like open question and just let them you know let them open up on you because they probably will um and he had a valid question you know okay but how do i know that's meaningful and i was like okay but I, I kind of don't really know how to answer that question. I'm like, well, you know, it's meaningful if, if you do something. So in, in essence, my, the, the answer to that question is you go back and talk to them again. And or, or like, say, Teresa's a CEO. And I tell you, right, Teresa, I want you to get rid of that clipboard. Get rid of it. Throw it in the bin. I want you to go down there, buy coffee for Bob, the machine operator, and just have a chat with him. And if you're like, yeah. 
that Bob, you know, ask him some of these open questions. You do that. And I'm, I'm this weird safety guy from my office with my binoculars watching you. And the second you leave, like I go back down there and I say, Bob, how was that? How was that conversation with Teresa? Like, if I can think of any way to measure it, like that's it, just another conversation to say, how was that? And Bob might turn around and say, I don't know yet. Teresa said she's going to fix this, fix this and fix this, but we'll wait and see. Like then a month later, we'll come back. How was that conversation with Teresa? Well, she did this and this and she couldn't do that, but she came back to me and said, I can't do this because of this and engaged with me in a conversation like that. That's meaningful for me. I feel like, we're so desperate to have it on a chart. Like we're so desperate to have it on a piece of paper, something we can put in a pie chart. And I understand where, because I do it as well. I do it like, well, how can I show we're doing a good job? Let's get get some LTIs and stuff. And I think that stuff has a place. I really do think it does. It's one of the indicators, but I think there's nothing more valuable than having a committee meeting, having a board meeting, whatever. And going, right, what's the problem? What are we dealing with? Let's chat. And I think the problem is maybe for you, the lady that you're coaching, I'd be interested to see what, what her response was from her, from her board, yeah. from her directors. I'd be interested to see how it went. But a lot of the time, like I've done it, gone into a committee meeting and said, but I've got no charts or nothing. Tell me, like, what, what's safe? What's not? What are we dealing with? Like, what's the problem? And everyone just kind of looks at you like gone out. They're like, um, what do you want me to say, James? I'm like, just tell me. Tell me about your job. Tell me what you're doing. Um, and they just don't know what to say because they're just not used to it. Yeah. They're waiting yeah. for that dashboard. They're waiting yeah. for that presentation. Yes, absolutely. And, 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 you know, that's, that's what we've driven for me. And, and I know it's like, like oversimplification really, <laughs> but as somebody now who runs her own business and, and it's a small business that there are, there are some measures that I want to know whether my business is successful. So have I made a profit? Yeah. We're not we're not a public company, so obviously, I, you know, shareholder price. But if I was a big company, then I might be interested in what my shareholder price is. Am I still attracting the best talent out there? So mm-hmm. I want some idea of, you know, who wants to come and work for me, um, because that tells me a lot about my business. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, cash flow is really important as well. So have I got mm-hmm. cash? Have I got enough cash to get through the next year? Uh, and are my customers really satisfied or better still am I exceeding their expectations Mm. so there's five measures there yeah and and those measures are pretty much what will tell you whether about any business any any business that I don't think they could go much beyond that you know Mm. a people measure a finance measure maybe an asset measure you know but there's there's kind of five things that we want to know that tells us ultimately are we running a successful business the best businesses are the ones that take those five measures and then say, well, how does safety contribute to that? Because mm. safety does contribute to every single one of those measures. So that. if I'm killing people, nobody wants to work for me and mm. everyone's leaving. My turnover, my attrition rate is high. People don't want to be here. If, if, if I'm not a safe organization, it's costing me, my operations are costing me money and I'm having lots of downtime on productivity. So I'm not making money and I'm not meeting my productivity targets. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I could look at my health stats and say, actually, I'm not making money because a lot of people are going sick. So I'm paying a shitload of money out in sick yeah. pay and things like that, you know? Yeah. Um, 
was my reputation? Are my customers constantly complaining? Am I losing customers? Are they going to the competition? So the, the measures that we have already, traditionally, that tell us whether we're running a successful business are the only measures we need. They yeah. are the things. Yeah. It's only when you drill down from the top of them you know, the problem, and, and it's so, it's like the Jenga game, isn't it? You know, and you, we've all been mm -hmm. on these training courses, Chris, I've run them myself, where, you know, you've got the team, they're taking the bricks out from the side, you get the manager to come along and he looks down from the top and you say, everything look all right, boss? And he goes, all looks good from here, but, you know, yeah. the, the sides are being taken out and eventually yeah. it, all, it all crumbles. You know, we spend too much time, KPI-wise, looking at the, individual Jenga blocks that we lose sight of the big thing and the big thing is are we making money have we got share have we got market share or, you know are we profitable all, all those things that I've just talked about and if only we could really like just make sure that you know our, our sort of KPI the, the the best KPI thing I've ever seen was like a, it looked just looked like a space shuttle and at the top it said are we surviving or something like that you know are we are we are we going to make it through next year and yeah. then everything else just sat underneath it everything mm. it wasn't like lti's mean this and you know now mm. i know so so for me that was like really successful that's how that organization knew that it was performing well which mm. is the the oh, that's the main thing are we performing are we going to survive this year and will we be here next year um and then what they did and i and i this I do like because I'm, I'm a bit of a proponent for, you know, so many organizations don't manage performance well, individual performance, team mm. performance. We, we sit on stuff for too long, you know, bad attitudes, bad behaviors, you know, mm. turning up bloody late or unprepared to meetings. We just tolerate, you know, all this stuff. Yeah. Actually, if then all your measures were down to individual performance and team performance rather than what's our LTI, what's this, what's that. Um, I think that we teach our, we do our leaders a good service by showing them and helping them to manage poor performance. Mm -hmm. um, but also all of that just combines into this big, you know, in this case, this space shuttle, which is what the business is really about, you know, yeah. because at the end of the day, we're, we're only as good as a business. We're only as good as the people who walk through that door or walk through that gate every morning. Mm. And, and if they're having a shit time or they're not performing properly for whatever reason, um, then, then we're doing them a disservice. And as a business, we're doing ourselves a disservice, I think. So, Definitely. yeah, I, you know, I, I think we always need to measure and manage, but I think it's more down to learning how to manage individual performance as opposed to this mythical zero, you know, and, and so on and so forth. I mean, mm. you know, and, and I, I, it's just like, you know, when I go to an organization and they, I say, what's your, you know, what's your, what's your targets then? Oh, well, we want to reduce our LTI by X percent. And I say, all right, okay, so why don't you just go, so work that out. How many people are you going to kill this month or this year? How many people are going to have first aid? How many people are you going to go out there on the 1st of January and say, right, everyone who wants to die this year, just step forward. Everyone who wants to go to hospital, everyone who wants to get some shit in their eye or trip over a step, down forward, let's just get it all done in January. Uh, the rest of the 11 months is going to be a shit hot year. It's going to be great, you know, it, because that's what you're saying. Hmm. This year, we're going to injure two people, you know, 
you couldn't have any other target but zero right let's let's yeah. be pretty pretty honest about it. you couldn't potentially you couldn't possibly with good you know with a good heart and good faith say yeah we we're only, we're only going to kill the two people this year oh i know can i volunteer one <laughs> yeah no organization is going to do that but be realistic about it you know because the behaviors that you drive you know unfortunately whether you know you like it or not there was somebody on linkedin this week who celebrated i'm sure you saw it because it was a bit of a ferrari eight years accident free did you see it no i actually didn't oh eight, i'd love to have seen that eight years not just With no, not, not just one not, not just lost time eight years accident free no like shin bumps elbow bumps not a thing wow you know and somebody had put on there bullshit <laughs> somebody had commented yeah, yeah. bullshit um and you know i i'm like okay i I, I don't go after people like that. I, I try not to be too like, you know, um, uh, too antagonistic, but yeah. we, we, we kind of probably maybe a bit unfairly could guess the type of culture in that organization. Yeah. But the comment, the repeated comment was Jesus, you know, I really feel for the, the person who has to break that record. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about a call of shame. Mm. You know? um so yeah it's uh yeah we, we we create this world but for me the measures what get what gets measured gets manipulated mm. uh, and if we could just you know get our act together and see what are the things that are really important what do we really need to know to know if our business is successful is these four things and everything that doesn't fall you know everything else that we do should contribute to those things and mm. if we if we have anything else it's just confusion it's just noise yeah um but let's get everyone you know on this it's, on it's this like thing. i always kind of look at it like when you're looking at data and things like that it's it, it, it it's critically question the value of it like that, that for me that's all i say well what are you getting out of that chart like yeah. what are you actually getting out? you know i've been at businesses where we've we've got an, an, a clear indicator of a problem but we do nothing about it because it's maybe a gray area, whether it's our responsibility or not to do it. Well, then stop measuring it then. If you're not going to do it for yeah. that, stop measuring it because you're wasting, wasting your bloody time. Yeah. And then, and then the next thing I think we do is, or, or we should do more of is, is when we come back to that thing about talking to people, it's just back up that qu qu quantitative data with a bit of qualitative data yes. is like, right. With, with less injuries, lesser accidents, whatever you want to measure it. And then you back that up with going down to the shop floor and you asking people, you know, how's things? What are we doing? Do you feel safe? Yeah. Are we, what are the risk? Can we do anything better? And then you take those snippets and you combine the two. So yeah. critically ask yourself, uh, what are we doing with this data? Is it delivering value to the business? If not, nip in the bud. And yeah. I think that same question would apply to anything, your policies, your oh. procedures, your checklists. Like, yeah. is it delivering value or not? Like, I think you could probably question every single checklist, give or take yeah. maybe about 10% of them in the workplace yeah. and most of them would not deliver value. They deliver checks, but that, that side, that's a whole different conversation. We've already been talking for over an hour uh, yeah. and a half. So yeah. we, we both need our Saturday nights. Yeah. And nip it in the bud. But <laughs> that, that for me would be how I would leave it is, is question if, if is that delivering value and, and let's back it up with a bit of qualitative conversations for me. Yeah. I don't know about Unless you. of course you're in the cockpit of a, of a plane, then you definitely want a checklist. Well, 
True. But then if all you got to do is watch Sully and, and he, <laughs> he skipped the checklist. You know, he should have followed that procedure. He skipped it. He went yeah. to step 10 and he saved everyone's life. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. In, in summary, we, we don't have a clue what we're talking about. We're just chewing the fat and hopefully you buy some merch and, you know, we get paid for this. And hopefully merch. you go and work, work, for, I, work with Teresa. Work we with make Teresa. money for chatting shit. And yeah. it probably it might help you be safer. It might not. Not really sure. Yeah. But let us hopefully, know. Hopefully it'll make you give more of a shit. Yeah, that's, that's the true. important thing, isn't it? You know, it'll make you give and more it, of a shit. And if it makes you safer, let us know. And then we'll write a book about it and sell it. And, and we'll be keynote speakers for about let's 10 years. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. And we'll make, we'll contribute the proceeds to the, the Lighthouse charity. To oh, help, no, screw help that. Some... I'm going to buy myself a big house. No, 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 definitely. <laughs> no, we're all about charity over here, mate. We try and support as many as we can and uh, give a bit back oh, where we good. can, you know. That's but good. it's important, isn't it? So we've all got so, a part to play. On that note, before we leave, are you still taking donations for your hair or is that closed now? Yeah, I am. Yeah, definitely. Yes. Yeah. So, so oh I'll God, put the yeah. link on this on this podcast oh, because thank you very much. anyone that that's listening lovely. to it does, might not know that you have quite short hair because a few weeks ago it was no hair. I was completely bored. Yeah. yeah. My, my ex-husband who's here staying with me now and my sister-in-law are both unfortunately terminally ill with cancer. Oh. And um, it, it's uh, it's obviously it's it's a horrible bastard disease. Yeah. Um, but you but when when your loved ones are struck down with it, you just feel so bloody helpless. It, yeah. There's nothing you can do. Yeah. So this was some my, my sister in law, you know, was obviously losing her hair through chemotherapy, obviously not not the easy way that I chose to do it. Yeah. Um, and it was just you know how can i make a difference because we are really reliant on macmillan nurses and we are going yeah. to become more reliant in the coming months um and they do yeah. an amazing job so oh, yeah that was phenomenal so my, my, yeah we, we're about two thousand seven hundred pound now in so yeah wow. if, um, if we can hit the three grand mark that would be i'd be a happy girl you're, you're an absolute legend for doing that and i, I will put the link in the in the description show notes below so people can donate and Thanks, please Sarah. do because i mean my wife's family are absolutely plagued by it we've lost oh. she's she's lost her uncle last year and like you say the macmillan nurses for him were just just absolute saviors and he he said you know at the end of uh, before the end of his life you know he he wanted every penny or whatever he wanted didn't, didn't want any money to go to him he wanted if you're going to give us anything buy us anything it goes to macmillan nurses yeah. and and yeah. i think they, they made a fair chunk at that funeral he was a very popular man and and yeah. now sherry's dad and sherry's stepmom as well have been dealing with it for years it's a horrible horrible, horrible. it's a bastard of a yeah. like you say so please yeah people donate Teresa. One last thing. Why don't you tell us about Paradigm very quickly? How can people get hold of you um, and stuff uh, like that? Yes. So um, they can get hold of me, Teresa, without an H, T-E-R-E-S-A, at paradigmhp.com. Uh, you can find us on LinkedIn, um, at Paradigm HP, Twitter, Facebook, you name it, we're on it. Um, reach out to myself, um, Teresa Swinton uh, or Gareth Locke, who um, is um, fast becoming my business partner, also obviously runs The Human Diver. Um, but uh, either one of us um, will be more than happy to help you. And again, just anything at all, accidents, incidents, compliance, uh, human <laughs> performance, Whatever you need some help with, uh, we'll be glad to come and support you. 
Yeah, we'll put all the links in the in the show notes as well. So hopefully get a bit Fantastic. of business out of it as well. Brilliant. And you're gonna come on my webinar soon as well, aren't you? I am. I have no idea what I'm gonna talk about after the absolute legends that you've had on it, but I'm a you're, little bit like mm. you've got plenty to say, don't you worry. And people oh, I've got like plenty to say. Really Ain't got no value. <laughs> it has got lots of value, don't you believe it? <laughs> I'll just be regurgitating stuff that I've heard. So my 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 keynotes are like, right, I interviewed Teresa and she said this, this was really good. I interviewed Todd and he said this and this was really good. I interviewed Adam and this was really good. And then Adam will be like, Well, I was gonna say that on my keynote. And yeah, well, too late, mate. That's, I was first. That's all we do, mate. We all take what we learn. We're all sponges, we all take what we learn, we pull it all together, we make some sense of it to us. And then we share it with others. And that's the, that's the beauty of what we're all doing as a community. And it's well, brilliant. Like you said earlier, there's enough work out there for all of us. And it's the same yeah. with podcasts. You know, some people like my podcast, some people don't. Yeah. And if, and if yeah. you prefer Jay Allen's podcast or Colin Notty's podcast because of the yeah. way they talk, that's cool, man. Go over there because yeah, I want absolutely. you to hear what Colin's talking about because he talks about the same stuff as me, but he says yeah. it a little bit different. And that's yeah. exactly what we need absolutely we do anyway we're going to end up getting into a whole nother conversation Go and enjoy your saturday thank you so much for having me i've really enjoyed it and um i'll see you soon yeah you will thank you very much have a nice night take care darling bye-bye okay beeps hope you enjoyed that as much as i did i absolutely loved to I absolutely love talking to Teresa. She's an absolute legend. Listen next week for, to hear me proper fanboy about her a little bit more. Um, you can hear my reflection on this episode, what some of the thoughts are, and, and kind of my favourite points maybe and opinions and so on and so forth. Behind the scenes, so to speak. So make sure you check out next week's episode for my reflection on my chat with Teresa. In the meantime, if you want to help us out, you want to work with us, you want to sponsor YouTube, channel you want to sponsor health and safety's first and only youtuber go to rebalancesafety.com you get yourself some merch you can look at how you could work with us you could look at even donating to us if you would like to but more importantly i'd like you to subscribe to our mailing list so go to rebalancesafety.com scroll down to the bottom and you'll see there uh, subscribe and put your email address in and done there we go done sorted nailed it thank you very much for listening i'll catch you next week in our last interview of this Safety One, Safety Two mini series. Catch you next week. Safe. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the host and its guests and do not necessarily reflect the position of the companies. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are examples only based on limited and dated open source information and should not be utilised in real life as the only solution available. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the companies. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic or otherwise, without prior written permission from James McPherson.